This is Mike Corey from ESPN, and you're listening to the Sports Objective Podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Pirates. Welcome into the Pirate Preview here on the Sports Objective. I'm Dave Richmond, along with Kyle from LaGrange. Barbara, how are you, man? Good, old man. Just trying to get over the sinus infection. Uh, how's everything going in your world? Good. I'm, I'm glad that it, I hate to say I'm glad that you have a sinus infection, but uh, I'm glad that everything, uh, we know what the outcome will be for that, that you'll, uh, you're playing injured, and I appreciate all your help even through uh, difficult times. I know you've been feeling really bad and still playing injured. So thank you, sir, for pushing your way through. Uh, you're feeling not 100%. Yep, no problem. And ladies and gentlemen, of course, from the great, I was going to say the great state guy, the great city of China Grove, Bubba Rosenbaum. What's up, dude? Not a whole lot, guys. I'm looking forward to talking some pirate football as they'll be traveling to Philadelphia this weekend to take on Temple. And um, tonight, looking forward to watching the American matchup between Tulane and Tulsa. Like the upset. Give me two line in the upset. There you go. We have uh, with us right now uh, from 24-7 Owls. I know Ryan Wallen, man. How are you? Good to see you again. I'm doing well, guys. How are you guys, Ben? Uh, we're doing fantastic. Glad to have you on. And I know that uh, one of my, believe it or not, one of my favorite cities, I love uh, cheesesteaks. I love Rocky, uh, the city of brotherly love with uh, Temple. Um, this matchup is going to be really interesting, to say the least. Temple is actually... Um, own the series uh, since the Pirates have been in the American. I believe it's every single year uh, Temple has won it. So um, how, how are you feeling going into this game? I guess Ryan's the first question uh, right out of the gate. How do you feel about the Owls' chances against the Pirates? Well, um, if this would have been at the beginning of the season, I would have felt a lot better than what I do now. Um, obviously, Temple has not had a – productive year as they have in the past five or six years um currently sitting at one in five um and one in five in the conference as well you know their only win coming over usf uh back in the second game of the season so it, it's definitely been a hard month for the owls not only on the field but off the field as well with injuries um with covid tracing uh they're now on their fourth string quarterback so it, it's definitely been a rough month um, I was honestly surprised when I saw the line open as Temple uh, as favored in this game. Um, I, I, and once the news came out that Anthony Russo was definitely going to be out this week, um, Temple's starting quarterback, you know, I, I I could see why that the line shifted now in favor of ECU. I'm still surprised it's as low, it is, low as it is. I believe it's still sitting at two and a half or three and a half. Um, so I definitely think that ECU probably has a very good chance this week to finally pick up a win, uh, against the Owls, uh, as American athletic conference members, um, and actually get their first win in Philadelphia. Yeah. Talk about who's starting that quarterback for the Owls. Uh, you're down to your fourth string guy. Uh, tell us about him. Yep. So, uh, the quarterback that will take the field Saturday for Temple will be true freshman, Matt Duncan, who is from, uh, Somerville, South Carolina. So he's down from your guys' neck of the woods. Um, he is, like I said, a true freshman. Uh, I, I guarantee you back in April of this year, there was no way uh, he thought he was going to be playing this year. 
Um, heading into camp, he was one of seven quarterbacks Temple had in camp. Um, and now here he sits now as the starting quarterback for the Owls, probably this weekend. If I had to guess, I would say probably next week too, because at this point I don't see a reason starting Anthony Russo in the final game of the year. Um, unless you're just trying to build maybe some momentum heading into next year, because like I said, with a one in five record, you don't have a lot to play for. But um, back to Duncan now. He is a um, he is a true freshman. He holds the passing record at Ashley Ridge High School, which is his alma mater down in Somerville, South Carolina. Uh, threw for over 6,800 yards there. Um, completed over 56% of his passes, holds a school record in yardage and touchdowns, which I believe he had 40 passing touchdowns uh, in his career, though, over the course of three seasons as the starter. Um, he actually took over for his older brother, Stephen Duncan, who was a uh, quarterback up until last year at Western Kentucky and now is at uh, Tarleton State as a grad transfer. So obviously good genes in the uh, the family as far as being Division One quarterbacks. Um, obviously we have not seen a whole lot of Matt Duncan because we're not allowed to go watch practices and all. The only thing that we saw was the little game action that he did get against UCF last week. Um, he only threw two passes and was sacked twice. So we didn't really get to see him throw the ball a lot. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be new for a lot of us, but I know Mike Houston had some positive things to say about, uh, Duncan because, he had actually recruited the elder Duncan while he was at James Madison. So he's familiar with the family. Um, uh, Duncan's a lefty, so that always presents a challenge. He has that running ability uh, as a dual threat quarterback, similar to uh, like Holton Ehlers. But um, so there's always that. Um, Mike Houston definitely said that he, he thinks that it, they're going to have Temple will have an extended game plan that they had planned for now. Uh, using this week to build up. So last week they obviously probably didn't show their hand too much with him because again, fourth string quarterback, I don't think many teams are expecting them to be playing four quarterbacks in a year. So we'll see what we can do this weekend with, uh, with Duncan at quarterback under center, uh, filling in for Anthony Russo. Obviously the other two quarterbacks also had gotten hurt. Um, so Russo initially, if you guys hadn't followed he suffered a shoulder injury in the Memphis game a couple weeks back, finished that game out, has been out since. Uh, he sat out the Tulane game and the SMU game, was set to come back this past weekend against UCF. Then Monday comes that of game week. He goes into COVID uh, protocol. I'm not sure if he was the one that contracted or if it was just a contact tracing issue. So obviously we just don't know what happened there. Um, but he is out until this coming Monday, um, not allowed to participate in team activities. And then Trad Beatty had taken over for him as the starter, and Real Mitchell had seen uh, split snaps. Um, so Beatty ended up getting hurt in the SMU game right towards the end of the half, the first half. He, he uh, looked like he took like an elbow to the head. So we assume probably a concussion, um, but not sure on that. And then Real Mitchell had started against UCF last week, um, ended up suffering a injury early in that game, was able to finish that game out. But uh, Coach Perry said now he is shut down for the rest of the year as well. So Duncan's really the only option unless Russo comes back, and we'll see what he can do. And now Ryan, you're there with us. So Ryan uh, Duncan, by the way, being Somerville, 
that's the Charleston area. So uh, that's really cool. And one thing I was going to mention is I know Kyle's going to talk about is the very fact that uh, every time we have a fourth string, this string quarterback, next thing you know, they're going to throw for 10,000 yards and, you know, 500 yards, and they're going to throw for four or five touchdowns, um, you know, because we don't know uh, much about the quarterback. But uh, we'll see what happens on Saturday high noon. Yeah. Whenever you're playing a fourth-string quarterback or a third-string quarterback, the most important thing is uh, your offensive line. How's the O-line looking for Temple? Because that would that that has got to be the game plan from Blake Carroll and, and Mike Houston is to heat him up. Yeah, so the O-line has been up and down this year. I, I think ever since that Navy game the first week of the season, which I thought they played extremely well in, actually, um, I, I've seen a lot of regression and very inconsistent play from the O-line. Uh, they've been banged up as well. Um, they're down to starting a couple redshirt freshmen now on the line due to injuries. Um, so that they've been banged up. Um, again, young guys playing a lot. So it, it you have the give and the take there. Obviously, it's good that there's young guys getting experience who presumably step into these roles left by these grad transfers or seniors next year if those players don't decide to come back with the free year of eligibility. Um, but it, it also is bad because, you know, you have young guys playing who haven't actually seen a lot of game action. So they're, they're getting used to playing against some of these top tier defensive linemen and defenses in the American. So definitely going to be a challenge, especially this week. I know ECU's defense necessarily isn't great, but it's not bad either. Obviously these players are all D one caliber players. And then especially next week against Cincinnati, against a, a top 10 defense in the nation, that that's going to be a big challenge as well. You know, Ryan, um, I know on Monday, on Coach Rod Carey's press conference, he was asked by Martin Narduzzi or Narducci, excuse me, uh, from the Philadelphia Inquirer in terms of uh, just the impact that COVID has had on the Temple roster. Um, the Owls only took, I think, like 45 guys to UCF. And so let's go to that audio right now uh, from Monday's press conference. I was wondering, did did you only take forty five players to to UCF? Was it was that correct? Uh, we took forty five scholarship players to UCF. Uh, I think we traveled another um, sixteen. I got to go back and look at the exact travel roster, Mark. But it was forty five scholarship players. Were you ever at a point where it was close to not being able to play? Because that's that's pretty close to the vest working that with that. Yeah, I um, my my opinion has been uh, for the last three weeks that uh, we've been at that critical mass. Uh, people that make those decisions have not been in agreement with me, um, and so you know I think that's been reviewed each week, and they have not agreed with me on that. But uh, you know, it's after talking with uh, our doctor too. I mean, he agrees with me that. Um, you know, COVID has another effect, which we're now seeing, and we're certainly in there. Is there are a lot more injuries because of the people who are playing um, and the amount they're playing and, and what have you? So that's um, yeah. So real long-winded way to answer your question, Mark. Um, I think we've been a critical mass for three weeks, um, but uh, powers of B have not agreed. Well, Rod, you. Um 
you've always said it's great to play. You want to play and everything, but but is there any part of it that it's not good to play when you when you don't have a you know when you don't have a full full team and you're going up against these teams that are you know they're, they're really talented? Is there is there any negative to that? Yeah, there is. Um, you know, there's obvious losing. Losing sucks, right? I mean, you know, you, that, that's a negative in and of itself. But when the safety becomes in question. Uh, which, in my opinion, has been over the last three weeks. I think that's when, um, uh, you know, it, it becomes a negative to play. And like I said, the powers that be have not agreed with me. Um, and so I'm not in the decision-making uh, role when it comes to that. Um, and there are other people that are. All right. That's uh, the head coach there, Rod Carey. And by the way, I uh, want to thank uh, Rich Sugg, who uh, was not the SID there at Temple, uh, that was nice enough to let us uh, participate, uh, Bubba and I, on on Monday with a press conference. And, Ryan, uh, one other note, guys, I want to mention is that the 45, they went ahead and clarified that there's actually 61 players. However, there's 45 that have no kinds of injuries whatsoever. So it's not like there's um, only 45 players that don't have COVID. There's actually 61 that don't have COVID or the contact tracing mess that we've had to deal with. So I just want to clarify that that uh, what they're trying to do is say the 45 that are not injured and don't have COVID. I was saying 45 has more on scholarship. They traveled 61. He traveled with 45 on scholarship. Right, but no, he's saying that no, he was saying that there's 61, but that they have some sort of injury that they don't want to try to play them. Is what he was saying. They had that in the press conference on um, one of the gentlemen um, right after the press. Somebody dealing with Temple, I don't know if it's the, in the athletic department, clarified that for us at the, the press conference. But yeah, anyway. it, was, uh, it was Vinny James who had actually clarified that. So they traveled 45 scholarship players, and then they brought another 16 players with the team. So they only traveled a total of 61. So the 16, were they non-scholarship players or injured players? They, it was a mixture of both. Okay. Uh, the, the, the powers that be that he keeps referring to, uh, is he referring to the administration at Temple? Is he referring to the conference? That's a good question because um, we actually were wondering that ourselves. You know, um, We were unsure if that was meaning the conference just didn't want to cancel the games and just you know try and push the way through the season and get these games over with, which I kind of don't understand if that's the case because, I mean, like I said, it, it's Temple playing – as a one in five team against a UCF team who's four and two, neither team's necessarily in the hunt for the American championship. Obviously UCF's more in the hunt, but um, I still don't see why those games were that dire to play. If that's the case, especially when they could have rescheduled these games for in December, if, if the neither team is playing in the American championship, which I expect at this point not to be the case. Um, so obviously Kerry said, yeah, like the last three weeks, he feels that they should not have played because it's been like this now for the last month of the season where Temple has been very limited on the players that they've been able to play. Um, as I alluded to, a lot of these young guys are playing their first coll- collegiate games um, against some older guys. And I mean, I know that's that's part of the game. Injuries are always part of the game. But when you're down to half your active roster of, of 115 players you can have and you're down to 61 traveling to a game 
Uh, I, I don't see why games haven't been canceled for Temple, opposed to some of these other schools that have had maybe several COVID cases and games postponed or pushed till later in the season. Well, you got SMU and Houston canceled for this weekend, so uh, th- that's what I'm really wondering about when you when when he says powers that be. I'm I'm really wondering who he's referring to. Is it the is it the administration at Temple just ready to get the season over with and not wanting to deal with playing football in December as the state of Pennsylvania and the city of Philadelphia uh, up the restrictions even more? I agree, and I think that could also be the case, you know, because it's only two weeks left, and I, I assume, obviously, with current trends going on in the United States, that cases are going to continue to rise over the next month, and they might just not want to risk players' safety there in mid-December to send them to God knows where to have to play a football game and where cases might be worse than what they already are. And as we were talking about before we, we went live here, you know, the state of Pennsylvania now has implemented a travel law that if you travel out of state, you have to quarantine 14 days when you come back. And I know a lot of states have that in. So luckily right now, Temple's only two games left are at home. So these players don't have to travel out of state right now. So that could also be the reason why, you know, um, that they're staying home in Pennsylvania and they didn't have to worry about going on the road again to a, a, a Texas or to an Orlando, Florida, or to New Orleans. Yes. For quarantine or have a COVID test within 72 hours of uh, arriving in Pennsylvania. Um, the, uh, the, the, that means brings me to another question. Um, basketball season's fixing to start. Uh, how, what are you hearing about the owls and, and basketball with again, Pennsylvania up in their restrictions to some of the highest in the country. So actually, you know, my site editor just had, uh, been on the the media availability with head coach Aaron McKee today, and uh, he released inform- Aaron McKee released information that Temple's actually only had six full on practice sessions since they've been allowed to start practicing, okay. um, because they've had four positive tests within the within the team, and every time they have a positive test, that's a fourteen day shutdown of the program, no matter what. So six practices, and they have a tentative first game scheduled for next Wednesday against. Uh, New Jersey Institute of Technology or NJIT. Um, so that game is not set in stone just yet because, again, the flexibility with all of, obviously all the COVID issues. Um, other than that, their their tentative first game would be against Virginia Tech up at Mohegan Sun Arena in Connecticut in a couple weeks um, in a in a tournament up there. So. Definitely not looking good right now as far as how we expect the team to be able to play. I mean, having six practices and having some some of these players out and having two players not have their eligibility waivers granted yet. I mean, obviously they can practice, but just that uncertainty of how many players are actually going to have this year right now, um, definitely going to be interesting to see what happens in the next two weeks with basketball. Not to be funny, but basketball is a much smaller roster than football. You already had four players infected. You might go ahead and get your whole team infected and be done with it and not have to worry about it the rest of the year. Yep, exactly. You know, um, guys, along these lines, um, we met with East Carolina head coach Mike Houston on Thursday afternoon. Uh, typically, it's at 6 o'clock after, after practice, but the practice schedule had been adjusted. Um, so we talked to coach a little after 3, and um, he was asked about the restrictions there in the city of Philadelphia. And uh, he had this to say. He's, he said, we've adjusted where we're staying. We're not going to be staying in Philadelphia. 
I'm going to be staying in a hotel that I've stayed at in the past during my time um, playing a game in the Northeast. This will allow us to operate without being impacted by the city of Philadelphia's restrictions. Uh, my guess is he's going to stay across the uh, state line over in Dover. That's just me speculating. You know, him, him. Uh, that would be my, my guess as well. Yeah, this hotel he stayed at before makes me think CAA, CAA. Right. Makes me think Delaware. So. I'd say that's an excellent guess. Dave, you're muted. Dave likes it that way. He's just going to stay muted. He has nothing else he wants to say. He's unmuted himself about three times. There, finally. I was trying to mute it all. Yeah, it's frustrating. Uh, I was like frozen there for a second. Anyway, uh, nothing like a live show. Ryan, as far (laughs) as as the Owls are concerned, uh, what do you think the mood is like for the team? I know it's been very difficult uh, this season. And everybody's – one thing I will say across the board for all fan bases – and people period with 2020, everybody needs to take a deep breath and relax and realize that uh, this has been a really rough year. And our good friend, colleague, he played for uh, Pat Dye in the 70s, wide receiver Terry uh, Gallagher always talks about this is like a 2020, like a long spring practice uh, for this year. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I think up until this past week, you could see the mood had kind of gotten to some of the Temple players. You know, they're They've just looked like they didn't have a lot of fight in the games, I guess you could say. I wouldn't say they gave up, but once they went down and dealing with adversity, it's just, it was just like, oh, here we go again, here we go again. It, it's just it's just repeating itself, and obviously it doesn't help when you have your senior quarterback not playing. It helps, doesn't help when you have your running back leave the team a couple weeks ago um, because he had gotten suspended for an unknown reason doesn't help when you see all these injuries mounting up and you know you're you're still being told if what Rod Carey is saying is true you're still being told you have to play football right now despite everything that's going on and despite your roster being completely depleted so it, it definitely has been a struggle um I I think against UCF you saw that fight come back a little bit and especially in the defense they I think they played one of the best games they had all year you know giving up 38 points might not look like that but, you know, they, they actually, after going down 21 nothing at one point, I believe it was uh, UCF's next 20 plays, they only allowed 57 yards, which is pretty remarkable considering how powerful of an offense UCF has and averaging over 620-some yards game. Um, obviously, the second half, they were able to hold them, I guess, to 17 points or 10 points. I forget the number exactly, but, you know, that that's pretty good considering – you're down to your third string linebackers and your backup corners. And there's a true freshman starting at safety and a true freshman starting at linebacker. And the only real position group that hasn't been affected that much is the D line. So um, I hope to see that fight obviously can't come back this week and, you know, Temple bounce back against ECU, who I I think it's still a winnable game. Um, I don't necessarily know if that's going to reflect that on the scoreboard come Saturday, but this has obviously been their most winnable game in more than a month. Uh, so, again, since that USF game. He's talking about the D-line. That, that is probably the strength of the Owls. Um, talk about your run defense overall. We, uh, 
we've developed, when I say we, East Carolina's developed a bit of a running game uh, with a couple of young freshman running backs over the last several weeks. Uh, Talk about Temple's run defense. Yeah, so the D-line coming into the season, you know, I thought the interior D-line, especially with uh, all-conference defensive line or defensive tackles, Dan Archibong and Efine Maijay, were going to be, you know, stars this year. They're playing, you know, possibly to go to the NFL, both of them. And this year, really, they haven't done a whole lot. And I don't know if it's just been teams have game planned for that or they're just not playing that well and they're not being able to shed their blocks. But uh, you mentioned the run defense. The run defense has struggled this year for Temple, and that's quite a surprise considering um, in the past, you know, five, six years, going back to the Matt Rule era, that Temple's defense has been the strength of the team and they were excellent against the run most years. Um, so definitely the run defense has struggled. Um, like I mentioned, just the D linemen, the linebackers haven't been able to shed blocks very well. They haven't tackled well. Um, Rod Carey's mentioned a couple times that the, the, they're playing with their pad level too high. And yeah, you might expect that maybe from some younger guys, but, um, some veterans on the team, you know, that's, that's kind of surprising. Um, so they're just not getting low enough when they're tackling essentially is what, what he's saying. Um, so they're, they're getting bulldozed over and that, that reflects their stats right now. I believe they're, they're allowing over 200 and some rushing yards per game. So that, that's definitely not good enough to win a lot of games when you're letting other teams control the clock and control the pace of the game. You guys are used to winning this year too for Rod Carey. Coach Carey had a lot of success in Northern Illinois. I would assume that the fan base has given him a complete pass this year. Actually, no, quite the opposite. Uh, there's quite a many fans that are calling for Rod Harry's he- Rod Carey's head on a platter right now. Um, despite all the issues, despite the injuries, despite the COVID, uh, there is a lot of people that just are not impressed with what, what Rod Carey has done or brought to this program. Um, and I, I can see their argument to an extent. I, I would not say that he should be fired in any means. I would say, though, that dating back to about midway through last season, um, the defense has not been there uh, compared to previous years, which is a major concern considering Temple prides itself on being Temple tough and being an old-school football team, a hard-nosed, tough defensive team, run-the-ball team. And it just hasn't been like that the past year and a half. And there's been quite a handful of games going back to last year that they've just not been competitive in and they've been blown out in. And and when you're not being competitive and getting blown out in your conference all of a sudden when you used to be winning games, that's a little bit of a concern. So obviously I think that at the end of this season, uh, regardless of how the last two games play out, I think there should be maybe a reevaluation of the OC and DC positions. Um, I'm not sure that they should be fired necessarily. I'm just saying, I think that maybe they need to take a look at what they have and start planning more to what they have at the position groups rather than trying to run what they used to at Northern. Cause I just don't think it's working right now. It's interesting. And I'm sure I lost East Carolina with as bad as we've been. In recent years, even though the quarterback situation is what it is, it's simple would get the fire even hotter. I completely agree. The fan base, as I'm sure you've seen in the past, Philly fans are very passionate. But if you are not a winner, they are very adamant about getting rid of you and replacing you with someone better. And it's definitely the case with Temple. And to an extent, that's a good thing because 
Temple used to not have expectations in football. And since the Matt rule or since even the Al Golden days, the Matt rule era, the Jeff Collins era, there were expectations for these teams. And those expectations are still there with Rod Carey. You know, he inherited what Jeff Collins got. Um, I don't know necessarily how well Jeff Collins recruited Temple and left Carey as far as with young talent, but there are things that Carey still needs to do as a coach and to improve this team and, you know, get them back to being a consistently winning team and being a team at the top of the American Conference because that's what the expectation is and that's what they brought him in to do was to win. He won two MAC championships at Northern. He was in a New Year's Six Bowl as a coach. That's what Temple fans want, and that's what the administration brought him in to do and lead Temple to. Yeah, Bobby, you have some cuts you wanted to play. Yeah, while we're talking about the uh, very talented Temple defensive line and um, the Pirates' ability to to run the football against them um, with very um, solid freshman running backs and Keaton Mitchell and also Rajay Harris uh, behind what is a depleted offensive line who um, or which lost uh, Nashad Strother. Um, very, very uh, solid freshman who's played both guard and tackle. Uh, let's hear what East Carolina offensive coordinator Donnie Kirkpatrick had to say on Wednesday about that Temple defensive line. It's a huge concern. Uh, three starters back from from last year's team uh, transfer from Wake Forest, an older kid. So very experienced. Uh, very good offensive line, really just like last year. The, the one the one young man did transfer to Miami. He's tearing it up down there, too. So I, we're lucky he's he's not there. But then the other guys are just so good. They're so good inside, big, heavy guys, quick. And so uh, I don't care what line you had, you'd be concerned about this defensive line. Uh, they, they've had some injuries. They've had some guys out past. I don't, I don't know what the situation is this week. But I think all the defensive line are back. And so uh, we have been banged up. And, uh, you know, that's just football, though. You know, that's just nothing you can do about that. And the next man up, and we'll have a huge challenge this week up front because uh, that's how you win. You win up front. When we play good up front, we have a chance to win the game. When you don't, you don't. it's hard. Donnie Kirkpatrick there, the offensive coordinator on uh, Temple's talented defensive line. And uh, Ryan, uh, certainly the one of the Achilles heels of – certainly of East Carolina has been the offensive line. When you look at the chemistry – uh, that you have to have for the line. These guys really haven't played together that much. Uh, then you have, so you have inexperience, you don't have the chemistry, and then the injuries have been, uh, I mean, it is what it is. Like you can't, uh, you know, no excuses, but there's the various factors of why the line hasn't been good this year, or certainly I think the consistent would definitely be the word. Yeah, and I think I guess this would be the matchup Temple probably has an advantage in considering all the injuries and depletion and pending any results from COVID testing this week that we might not know about until game day. Um, like like Donnie said, you know, that this is the veteran group and this is actually the group that's probably been the healthiest all year for Temple is the D tackles and the defensive ends, you know. Um, like he mentioned, he he referred to Archibong and Maje, and I believe the uh, the third uh, D tackle he was referring to was Chris Banks, who had a really nice uh, game last week against UCF, who's a backup, and I assume will end up filling the role for Arch- Archibong if he decides to go pro this year. Um, so they are all very big guys, very athletic guys, um, guys who played both sides of the ball at one point in high school and now have found their niche at the D tackle position and, and they do have quick hands. And 
with a depleted O-line, it, it's got to be an advantage for Temple to actually see that and, you know, be like, okay, maybe this is a chance that we can have to get some penetration, can get some momentum going, you know, the, it takes some pressure off the backers for these younger backers having to, you know, come up and pl- support the run defense um, and actually allow them to play their position and, you know, drop into coverage if necessary and all. So definitely going to be a interesting matchup to see. Um, I, I hope to see Temple's D line actually step up this week and, you know, maybe take some pressure off the younger guys in the, in the back seven, um, you know, in the secondary and the linebacking core. So uh, there are, there is talent there. It's just whether, you know, they're again able to shed blocks and, you know, get to the quarterback. On the other side of the ball, how's Temple's running game looking? Yeah. So the running game actually surprisingly has been pretty solid the last two weeks ever since uh, it was announced that Raymond Davis had left the program and later came out that he was suspended and decided to leave the program. He actually uh, picked up an offer from Vanderbilt today. So looks like he might be going power five, I guess, depending on where he ends up via the transfer portal. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Originally the reason was given that he wanted to be closer to home. Um, but we later found out that that wasn't the case. So uh, Tavon Ruley has taken an over uh, redshirt senior um, former walk on has stepped up in the role of the starting running back. And he's, he's a good, good player. You know, he's not as quick. He doesn't have the cuts that Ray Davis did. If you guys remember him from last year, you know, Ray Davis was a very shifty back. He had very good footwork, excellent footwork. He had excellent speed once he got into the open field, but you know, you can't, dwell in the past you have to move on uh, obviously the transfer portal is is a part of the game now so he had that option to leave that's what he chose to do so you have to move on without him so really I think's done a nice job uh, he's a hard runner he's a bigger back that you know can can bulldoze you but he still has pretty decent speed um, I think he, he ran for 90 yards last week against UCF, um, had a touchdown the week before against SMU. So he's filled in pretty nicely. Um, they haven't used him necessarily a whole lot because when you're down trailing big in games, you're not going to run the ball a whole lot, but he did get a, uh, over 20 touches last week. So I expect him to get about the same this week. Um, Temple will use some other backs uh, to complement him. Uh, they've used Edward Sadie, who's a redshirt freshman out of the Philadelphia area. They'll use uh, Onasis Neely, who scored a touchdown late in the game last week against U- uh, UCF. So all very talented guys, but very also unproven guys. So, again, I, I can't really speak a whole lot on those guys because we haven't really seen them yet. Um, Neely was uh, tore his ACL last year, so. We did not see him in practice at all heading up to last week's game. So we, when his first three touches last week were his first times we saw him. Um, Sadie has played mostly on special teams. So we hadn't seen him actually carry the ball until last week. So definitely some new guys in there, like I alluded to with other positions as well, but so far so good. Hopefully that continues. And hopefully obviously next year, that means these guys are going to be able to contribute a lot more. Guys, I've know I know we've already touched on the quarterback situation, um, but um, Blake Carroll, East Carolina's defensive coordinator, addressed it and uh, how he's going about defending uh, true freshman Matt Duncan and, and preparing uh, for the unknown at the quarterback position. And let's go to that right now. 
But yeah, so you kind of had a little bit of, uh, you know, a carousel there, quarterback, unfortunately for them and, and their their shoes, I guess. Uh, started the season off with Russo, uh, went to uh, number 11, Trad Didi, or Beatty, and, uh, and then last week Mitchell started the game. So you've had three different quarterbacks starting. Um, supposedly all three of those are guys are out, and they're looking to Matt Duncan, the freshman from South Carolina. Uh, you kind of analyze him and, and the limited number of snaps he takes is taken uh, this season. You go back and watch high school film, uh, analyze his strengths and weaknesses, and then kind of who does he compare to that's, that's played, you know, in the recent ball games for him? Is he more like Mitchell, more like Rousseau, uh, that sort of thing? Kind of find you know plays that they may kind of cater to him and, and for his strengths and his abilities. Um, and then just, you know, you always keep it the possibility that maybe one of those guys some somehow, some way shows up on Saturday. So you always keep it in the back pocket that one of those guys might show up. So we certainly prepare our kids for all of them, but our main focus has been on Matt Duncan and just kind of what we think, uh, where they'll go with the offense. And at the end of the day, and I think their, their head coach even said in their press conference the other day, they want to run the football, stop the run, play good on special teams. So, uh, their their main goal is run the football and control the game, and we got to take them out of that so we can put a freshman quarterback in some situations where he's not comfortable. That's defensive coordinator Blake Harrell talking about the quarterback situation, as we talked about at the beginning of the earlier in the show. Uh, fourth quarterback this uh, season, and I know Bubba, you had another cut you wanted to play. Yeah, one of the we talked about the running back position, how talented Temple is there, um, and, and even despite um, some of the things that have gone on this year, how about the wide receivers? Um, Blake Carroll was talking about how I think at least three of those guys are quote Temple tough. That being that they're they're wearing sing, single digit numbers uh, to be identified as Temple tough, and uh, let's go to that here right now. So, uh, you know, just going kind of going back through and look at their receivers, they're, they're Temple tough, and I think uh, it's been going on for years. Is their top their top players, their toughest players, are in single digits. And you look at three of their receivers: uh, zero with, with Jones, uh, five with Blue, and one with Mac. Are all three in single digits? So that, that tells you a little bit about that receiving core. Um, Blue was 18 last year and, and very dangerous last year and very dangerous this year. A lot of the jet sweeps are coming across the field. Um, they like to get the ball in his hands. He's, he's their top leading receiver, a lot of those are the jet sweeps. Zero, um, Jones, he took one of the house, I think, first play of the SMU game, you know, for about 70 yards, just a little bubble screen, made somebody miss and had the speed to get up and down the sideline. So those two guys can, can get up and down the field on you, very good speed, good route runners complete package out there receiver and, and then number one uh, he's kind of their uh double pass guy but he can go up big big body 6'5 220 225 he can go up and get in the ball that you know I, I think they'll try to take advantage of our smaller corners out there but he's a bigger body that you know they'll use it's certainly in the red zone as well and on third down ECU defensive coordinator Blake Harrell and Temple's talented wide receivers Temple tough Ryan uh is that the reason for the single digit numbers? Yeah, for sure. You know, all, all three wide receivers, you know, going back to last year, um, Randall Jones and Brandon Mack, uh, who he had referred to, uh, Mack's the big bodied 6'5, 225 guy. You know, he had earned his single digit last year uh, in, in training camp, and he had a great season last year for Temple. He's having a little bit of a down year this year, but I, I think that's mostly because of the quarterback turn style that's been in play and also. 
Um, you know, you also have two very other talented wide receivers on the team that both were single digits as well as Randall Jones, like he mentioned, who's a guy that has really come on this year. He had uh, leads the team in receiving yards. Um, or actually, he had led receiving yards up until this past week because he he missed this past game against uh, UCF with an injury as well. So he he's second on the team in receiving yards right now with 370 yards, uh, only one yard behind Jaden Blue, actually. And then Jaden Blue, who's the guy that is the speed guy. He's more the slot receiver, you know, the quick pass, quick bubble screen or the jet sweep, toss it to him and see what he can do, make a play. So definitely all three of them have – uh, the talent to play at the next level. I definitely see all three of them probably making it to the next level um, or at the very least, you know, getting a tryout workouts with these NFL teams. Um, Blue's been obviously the biggest story because a couple years ago he actually had left the team and uh, under Jim Collins. And then once uh, Jeff had left for Georgia Tech uh, and Rod Carey was brought in, he came to Rod and he asked Rod, you know, I want to rejoin and Rod let him. And then ever since then, he's just looked like a completely different player. We didn't know a whole lot about him heading into last year. He ended up becoming the first Temple receiver to ever have record a 1,000-yard season last year. Uh, had over 80 catches, I believe, closer to that 90 mark. So he, he had statistically the best season for a Temple wide receiver in program history. And this year, you can see that, again, they they make it a priority to get him, a, him the ball. He's a playmaker. Um he leads the team in catches. He has five touchdowns on the year. And like I said, he, he leads the team in receiving yards. So he's definitely the top guy to go to. He's going to be a guy I think is pivotal in getting Matt Duncan going um, on Saturday, especially, you know, you're going to probably try and get Duncan some short, easy passes to start the game, some screens, some slants over the middle, just see what he can do, if he can hit those guys and just build that confidence up. Um, so I, I see Jaden Blue playing a big part, especially against uh, Saturday and CCU. Yeah, you, you look at this game and you, you talk about the receivers. There's potential there. You know, who knows? Uh, you, you play your true freshman quarterback and he comes out and, and, and just has a, a career day. Well, he would ha- any day would be a career day. I guess it's his first start, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, with, uh, with, uh, with you know, you, your top receiver back and, you know, you've been able to run the ball. But what I, what I kind of expect to see, from these two football teams this Saturday is a lot of running the football and, uh, and, and team, I expect an old school football game, which you don't see too much anymore. Uh, I'm looking at a, a, a 24, 21 type game. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. I, I think it's going to be mostly temple trying to run the balls, um, try and get stuff going in the run game, establish that gets these younger guys, some more reps, get some, build some more confidence with the O-line, uh, having to play some of these younger guys along the O-line as well, taking that pressure off of Matt Duncan, making his first career start, and, you know, then opening it up maybe with some play-action passes. I don't know, like you said, how many deep shots there's going to be. This is definitely not going to be a SMU-UCF game where we're scoring 60, 70 points in a game, and it's just going to be a shootout. I think this is going to be a more – even balanced game, a running game, a low score. Um, I see this as being two teams that are very evenly matched statistically on papers, uh, both of which have had some ups and downs this year. Um, Both teams have had some unfortunate things happen to them as far as results of games and injuries. Um, So I I agree with that. Um, I I could see this ended up being a very low scoring game, but I I think ECU still walks away at the end of the day with a win. Probably I would say a little more than that three point 
spread that it currently is, but I'd still put my money on ECU right now. Well, I hope you're right. I'm going to tell you something. I, and I don't care COVID or not, no matter what the situation is, asterisk or not, uh, with the luck we've had against Temple, we'll, we'll take it and celebrate it. That and also, I guess, the luck you've had against some of these other opponents. Like, you uh, ain't kidding, Tulsa. Yeah, 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 the Tulsa game, that which was definitely one that uh, the conference probably swayed the officiating crew on. You think? Somebody yeah. did for somebody, some reason. It was somebody. obvious. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the sad thing is, Ryan, there's still a chance with East Carolina. We were talking about this. Uh, so you uh, let's say that you win the Temple game, you have a shot at SMU, and there's talk of adding a game um, coming up in December. So you have three more games left, it looks like. It, most likely to be an FCS opponent, one that you would think that you would schedule because you want to win or, or a better chance at a winnable game. So if you win those three, hypothetically speaking, You'd be four and six, knowing that you won that Tulsa game, and you'd be five yeah, and five. Yeah, obviously, five hundred. Yep. Yeah, and that's a top twenty-five win too now because Tulsa has obviously with a loss to ECU, they wouldn't be a top twenty-five. But I mean, you look back on it, you beat a top twenty-five team, so for sure that that's that's a momentum-building win, and obviously something that ECU needs after the last couple of years under Scotty Montgomery and. You know, they're they're Mike Houston's trying to build a program down there and restore it to what Ruffin McNeil had had it at, and uh, I definitely like to see the Pirates do well. I've like I told uh, some of the other ECU guys that I've talked to. You know, I I always have respected the ECU program. Um, they do it right. They have a very cool logo, cool colors, and all. And uh, you know, I always like to see them do well. And obviously, it's good for the conference. The more teams that do well the more respect the conference gets and hopefully that ends up leading to more uh, chances at teams getting into the playoff or the new year's six. And obviously I think Cincinnati has a shot this year if they go undefeated and hopefully they, uh, they earn their way in. I, I think they should have a shot because that defense is just one of the best I've ever seen. Hey Ryan, yeah. uh, by the yeah. way, you can actually yeah. merge with uh you, if you love East Carolina that much, you can uh, your buddy Stephen Igo and our good friend uh, with Hoist the Colors. I'm sure he would uh, work with you. Of course, of course. Yep, I I have an interview. I go uh, coming out on our site tomorrow with Stephen previewing the game. So uh, definitely be ready to post that tomorrow then. And guys, speaking of Tulsa, number twenty-five Tulsa and Tulane are scoreless with forty-one seconds left in the first half. Uh, Zach Smith uh, left the ball game with an injury. And so um, scoreless there. If you if you took under fifty five and a half, you're you're looking good. Man, I knew I should have put some money on that one. <laughs> no, that that's a surprise actually. I mean, I know Tulane has struggled at times early in the year, but they've come on here in the last half of the season. You know, that's another program that you see Willie Fritz took over uh, after it had been in the dumpster, and you know they, they he's built it up into a a winning program now and. Um, good for them, you know. The, the Green Wave have something that, in a couple of years, may be very dangerous, and they might be right up there competing for an American Conference title as well. No doubt. Uh, Ryan, so you think uh, you're you're putting your money on East Carolina? Are they going to allow you back? Will they put restrictions on you in Philadelphia? They're going to let you back at Temple now, knowing I mean, Philly fans are brutal, man. I mean, you have. Booing Santa Claus, you have uh, the, the. I think they still have the magistrate underneath 
the stadium uh, there at, uh, was at uh, Lincoln Financial Field. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I, I think a lot of Temple fans at this point know what the team has. And I, I think, like I said, there are some that are ridiculous in terms of calling for Kerry to be fired, but there are the realist ones as well that, you know, they, they see that COVID and injuries have just taken that much of an impact on the team that, you know, you, you can't really expect a whole lot at the moment other than the team to go out there and try and just play their best. As long as they don't give up, that's what you hope to have. And, you know, you might squeak out a win. And it's not like the talent level's not there. Um, the last couple of weeks, I mean, they were beating Memphis at the half. They were beating SMU at the half, both of which were ranked teams. Yeah. Um, so it, the talent level's there. It's just putting together a full 60 minutes and hoping, you know, there's some things that go your way in the game and hopefully you get some of these players back and um, you're, you're going to have a healthy roster going into next year. Well, Ryan, not, not, you- right, quick, quick question for Ryan, non-Temple related. Uh, being a Philly guy, uh, are, are, you, are, you a, are you a wrestling fan at all? I am, very much so. Okay, so oh, – cool. uh, well, we, we, we at some point, Ryan, we're going to have you on, and we'll we'll discuss the history of Philadelphia wrestling. All from right, the days in the Spectrum with Hogan <laughs> to uh, to the Jim Crockett NWA days when the Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling was run in Philadelphia, and then of course some EC famous ECW arena uh, where guys like Tommy Dreamer, the Sandman, Terry Funk, Raven, Balls Mahoney, Axel Rotten, etc., raised hell for years. I completely am looking forward to that. I love wrestling. I went to the Royal Rumble a couple years ago there. I was supposed to go to WrestleMania this past year in Tampa, but obviously we know what happened with COVID. I'm hoping I get to go next year if they do have it in Tampa again. Um, I'm crossing my fingers that there's hopefully a vaccine out by then or this vaccine is open to the public by then that I will be able to go to WrestleMania next year. (laughs) Absolutely. Hey, hey, Ryan, by the way, uh, if you want to get Bubba speechless, he's not a wrestling fan, so we can talk wrestling the last uh, part of the show, and he won't say a word. <laughs> you know, it's, it's something I would I would go to it because I know I'd have fun and be entertained. I, I just don't know anything about it to, to be able to speak. Oh, Bubba, don't worry about it. 90% of the wrestlers that are wrestling today don't know anything about it. It's become, uh, <laughs> it's, it's become nothing but acrobats. I mean, it's, uh, it was, Jesus Christ, don't get me started about the modern products. Yeah, not the same that, well, you know, back in the day, they had guys that could write and they, they had story, great storylines and guys that were charismatic uh, that were really made you believe they could sell it, baby. Uh, they could do that. And so uh, for me personally, that's what I have. A, I still have a hard time with is now, like, I really don't care about it. No offense to these uh, wrestlers, but I really don't care about them the way that I did when I was a kid well, because I, they are just problem, so bland problem, and generic. WWE is it became too over homogenized, too many, too, too many script writers. Uh, WWE does not know how to create stars anymore. I mean, besides Roman Reigns, who, who's the big star right now in WWE? Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I'd make the argument the fiend they've done pretty well with, and I, oh, I like God. what I like what they've done there. But you, you I, I like, like you you like that gimmick? See, I, I loved his original I, gimmick. I loved his original gimmick when he was a, come in as a cult leader with the family out of the swamps of Florida. To to me, that was cool. This fiend crap, I, I just it's too it's too 
Ah, uh, it's just too gimmicky. It ain't for me. No, I, I actually like it. I like I like the whole childhood TV show character opposed to this evil demonic looking uh, character that they have. I, I think it's pretty entertaining. Um, that's just me. Uh, but other than that, I, I think quite the opposite that Roman, they had kept so boring over the years up until his most recent run. Now, I think he's turning into that now star that they really needed him to be. Uh, I think the heel turn for him should have came a long time ago. Um, so I'm glad to see that actually working out right now. Well, when the, when, when the Shield first broke up, they should have kept Roman as a heel then. Yeah, I agree. Him baby face. Yeah, I agree. Uh, trivia question for you. Uh, uh, the Fiend, Bray Wyatt, who's his father? It is Mike Rotunda. Mike Rotunda or Erwin R. Scheister, depending yep. on your preference. Yep. <laughs> and so who was your favorite wrestler? My favorite wrestler growing up is The Undertaker. I mean, he's he's the man still. I'm I'm obviously looking forward to Survivor Series this week. I know Undertaker's not the wrestler he used to be, but I thought the cinematic match at WrestleMania was excellent with AJ Styles. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing maybe if they end up doing a Fiend versus Taker thing at WrestleMania this year, if they end up doing a cinematic with that, just maybe like a passing of the torch sort of thing or whatever else they're going to do with, uh, with Undertaker. But, you know, he deserves that proper send-off. And, you know, I thought possibly that WrestleMania match against Styles would have been the great send-off. Obviously, they're having his tribute to 30 years of his debut at Survivor Series this Sunday. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with that. Um, but, yeah, he, he was my man. I, I always loved the character. Uh, loved, you know, just that, that dark figure but he was always a face you know yeah and it'll be interesting to see Taker at least when i was growing up he was a face yeah T taker did make his debut at survivor series so it'll be interesting to see if he wraps his career up in survivor series i personally would like to see taker wrap his career up with fans so i agree uh, i agree that, if that's... it's at wrestlemania this year or SummerSlam. Whenever we can have fans back in an arena, that's when he should have his final match. Yes, and he deserves that send-off. You know, I I think that, I mean, he's dedicated so much, you know, just watching the Last Ride documentary series on uh, the WWE Network with uh, what he's gone through over the years and just his dedication to the company. You see that he truly loves the business, and he truly has a hard time figuring out what he's going to do when it is over finally. So. Um, I want to see, like you said, him with fans give him that proper send off that he deserves and take that that last ride into the sunset. No doubt, we'll have to we'll have to have you on for a prolonged wrestling show. We did we've done a couple of wrestling shows over the year. We had a ECW veteran and North Carolina native and a friend of mine, the Enforcer C.W. Anderson, on for an episode, and uh, we had a a writer, a legendary writer, who's covered wrestling out of Charleston for around thirty years, wrote several books. Uh, Dave, what's his name? Uh, Mike. Oh, my gosh. You put me on the spot. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> oh, my gosh. He's a, great writer. He's a great writer. He's written several wrestling books. We had him on and uh, might not have him on again after not being able to remember his name. But uh, uh, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll have to do another wrestling episode and have a prolonged. A prolong Mike Mooneyham. I Mike found Mooneyham, it. Yes. I we'll have a prolonged wrestling it. conversation and uh, get into the current state of wrestling and the history of wrestling and what your thoughts are on AEW and uh, what are what your thoughts are on one of my favorite people, the incomparable Jim Cornette? Oh, I think Jim Cornette's got some great stuff. You know, he's either 
he's either very right or very wrong with his opinion. And either way, it's great because he always tries to back it up with whatever. I love his stories that he always has about, you know, Vince McMahon or some of the rivals he, rivalries he had backstage with some of the other guys. So uh, I think he's a very entertaining character. Um, I love listening to his podcast, too. Uh, it, it's It's some good stuff. Absolutely. A question about it. He could definitely do late night TV, oh, uh, or maybe not. <laughs> uh, I don't know how many people would watch uh, because the uh, they would be bleeping it out. Uh, so you'd much, have to but, put him uh, on Comedy Central or HBO. Oh yeah, depends how politically correct you want it to be too. Yep. Exactly, Ryan. Thank you so much, man, for the time tonight. It's been so much fun. We appreciate it. Before we let you go, uh, we want you to plug your stuff. We love all the stuff you do. Uh, they're on Owl's Daily Temple 24-7 Sports. You guys do a great job and love that whole 24-7 site across the board, including with our good friend Stephen Igo with Voice of Colors. Of course. So you can find our stuff at owlsdaily.com or you can follow us on Twitter at Temple Owl's Daily, at Owl's Daily 247, or you can follow my personal account at Ryan Wallen 247. All right, man. Appreciate you very much as always. And uh, like Kyle said, we'll have you back on. Uh, I didn't know you're a wrestling fan. So another great point, another great quality for you. I hope you have a great night and uh, we'll see how the game turns out. High noon on Saturday on ESPN plus. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me on as always. I appreciate it. Good luck. All right. Today, there's just certain, certain parts of the country. If, If you're a sports guy and you're from Philadelphia, Chances are you're going to be a wrestling fan. There's Great guy, certain, love. Yep, certain, yeah, certain parts of the country. Ryan's awesome and appreciate him. He's always been good to us since the last couple of years uh, for our podcast, and now here we are. One of the good things with COVID was the fact that we were able to um, to come on here and uh, certainly on Streamyard, which obviously broadcast on Facebook Live and of course on our YouTube channel. Gentlemen, it's going to be a fantastic game on Saturday. Uh, want to get your predictions? Who, who are you going with? So the Pirates get it done. Um, I, I think it's gonna be a hard fought game. This game does scare me some because the expectation is to win it, which is you know I, it, we have not performed well when we've had those expectations in recent history. Um, Tulane, for example, last year against uh, Tulsa, um, against USF last year. Um, but uh, I think Temple expects to win it too. Um, you know, it scares me a four string quarterback that we haven't seen. Um, but I'd certainly be rather facing him than uh, than we're Anthony Russo. Um, I'm gonna say the Pirates get it done 24 16. All right, Bubba. I'll say the Pirates um, find a way to get it done at Lincoln Financial Field in a close one. Um, and uh, you know, taking a look at this series, guys, um, they have absolutely dominated it of late. Um, we have not beaten Temple since we joined the American. They've won the last six meetings, and at Lincoln Financial Field, it's been even more lopsided um, than it has been in Greenville. And, you know, um, we scored 26 points in three games at Lincoln Financial Field. Um, they and they won 20 to 10 back in 2014, 37 to 10 in Coach Moe's first season in 2016. And then in 2018, um, they de- they defeated us the worst they ever have, um, the worst they ever defeated an FBS opponent, for that matter, 49-6 to in Coach Moe's final year. Um, so I-, I think we'll probably score um, that many points on Saturday. Uh, I, th- I think we'll be right around that mark. I'll say uh, I really hadn't thought of, of an exact prediction. I'll go East Carolina – 
27, Temple 17. All right. Uh, my I'm going to stick with my pick. Uh, Pirates win it uh, by six points. I think it's going to be 23 to 17. Um, this is going to be my, my guess uh, on the game. And the Pirates get a victory, the second one of the year. And I uh, love that Bubba put set up the series history, 18th meeting and 10th in Philadelphia. Temple leads nine, uh, nine wins. In fact, they've won the last six. Uh, well, since we've been in the American, we have not beat them in uh, 2014. Uh, yeah, we did not. It's back in the 90s, the last time we beat them. Yeah, we played these guys annually uh, back when these two programs were major 1A independents back in the 80s. And as you see there, the, that last bullet point um, from 82 to 90, we played every year. And, um, you know, when I th when I think back to my childhood, um, those teams, when I was very young, when I was Riley's age, or I guess a little bit younger uh, during those Art Baker years, um, we really struggled because we were playing the likes of Miami, Florida State, Penn State, Syracuse. Um, but you always look forward to uh, Temple and Cincinnati because those were games that you knew we um, we're probably going to win most years. Um, but that has certainly changed. And we've really struggled against those two programs. Uh, here in here in recent memory, um, but uh, I I know it says Temple leads nine to eight, and that is that is the case. Um, but it was actually ten to seven, but they they had to forfeit a game that they won back in nineteen eighty six. Yeah, and, and bottom line is, guys, no matter what the situation is, we got injuries, they got injuries. It, you know, we're down offensive linemen, they're down the quarterback. Uh, if we can go to Philadelphia, find a way to win, get our second win of the year, which should be our third win of the year. Uh, it, 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 it's an historic moment for our program to win two games in conference. That's something we haven't done in a couple of years. Uh, beating somebody not named UConn, going to Philadelphia and getting a win. And, two road uh, wins, too, guys. Two road wins, exactly. we got to get it done first. And, uh, you know, it, it's a shame, again, that Tulsa game is kind of haunting you. But uh, we need, need to take care of business. And, uh, like I said, I, I think we're closer and then uh, what people think. And um, hopefully this weekend we can take a major step forward and uh, see what we can do uh, Thanksgiving weekend against SMU. But uh, this is one we really need to get. It desperately need to win this game. And, guys, fans are so fickle. It's funny how they don't understand that we've been so close in so many games. You look at the Navy game, we've talked about we won the Tulsa game. I don't care what anybody says. Um, so that's two right there. And then if, if you somehow win – on Saturday, then they're going, uh, they'll all of a sudden go, oh, Mike Houston, Mike Houston, like, dude, uh, stop. We were there all along. I don't think we're far off. I think that uh, certainly the offensive line, in fact, we're hearing, right, guys, that uh, the next couple of cycles, as far as recruiting, the offensive line is going to be, uh, my understanding, the number one priority. So, and it, it should always be right up there. And um, another thing, too, is that um, with trying to build the program, things have been so low for so long. The offensive line, of course, is going to be something that's going to take time uh, to build the offensive and defensive line. Yeah, obviously your lines are always tough to build, particularly at the group of five level. You're, you're ready-made Division One offensive linemen don't come to East Carolina. So you got to develop them. And, uh, you know, we got to do a good job of that. we got to go do a good job recruiting. But, the guys we have now need to step up. They got a tough task against a good D-line this weekend. Give Holton a chance to, to throw it because Temple secondary is suspect. And uh, hopefully we can have a big day from the running backs. And, uh, you know, I think uh, 
I don't think 30 points is necessary to win this game. But uh, if we can get to 30, I, I think we'd have a real good shot of winning the game. Cal, is this the game where they're going to break out? Uh, Holton has a big game. <laughs> you know, I think that was against Tulsa, and unfortunately, it just didn't. Uh, it just didn't show up in the win-loss column. Um, but uh, it, maybe, maybe so. Uh, it'd be a good week to do it. Um, I don't think it's necessary. Uh, I think we can win this game scoring in the 20s potentially. But uh, if you can break out and have a big game, you're probably looking at a blowout win. Something else to keep a close eye on, and we talked about Temple's talented wide receivers and how they have some guys with some size against uh, our smaller cornerbacks uh, and just DBs in general for that matter. Um, that's something. Yep, um, with an inexperienced quarterback, um, you know he can he can throw a jump ball. Coach Houston said he's very accurate, so if he just throws an accurate uh, ball and uh, gives those talented wide receivers an opportunity to to uh, out jump our DBs, and you know keep an eye on that. God, don't even talk about that, Bob. And now you done got me thinking bad. I wish you hadn't brought that up. <laughs> uh, I hey hey Kyle, we're going we're going to win the game. We're going to win the game. Yeah, uh, I really get in those jump ball situations. You got a kid who can throw the ball deep, and you got tall receivers, and you can just throw 50-50 balls. That can be a nightmare because w- there's nothing you can do. You man the guy up, and if you keep getting beat, you keep getting beat. Yeah, I think uh, if we have the running, we always talk about that the running game. Yeah, the running game where you can control the clock. That's one of the things that. Uh, with a lot of passes would uh, not do. And then uh, be creative on uh, w- with the wide receivers, move the wide wide receivers around, get a lot of those guys involved. And, you know, uh, one of the things uh, that you see is there. Jump balls. What's that? Nothing. <laughs> well, yeah, the very fact that, like, if you go to CJ so much, then there's other people open. And uh, Blake Prohl seems to be coming along. Uh, just shy Hatfield, Desai, I think is um, is somebody that we need to get involved more. He's uh, he's been hurt, but I think he's he's somebody that we could have a good game. What do you think, Bubba? Yeah, I, I was glad to see us get Josai a little involved last week from the standpoint of uh, throwing a deep ball to him. He drew a pass interference call uh, with Josai's speed. Uh, I think back yeah. to the um, the post route that that Holton hit him on last year down at SMU. Uh, so hopefully we'll see that again real soon, like like Saturday, um, because so so much of the stuff you see with Josiah Hatfield, you know, is jet sweeps and stuff going horizontally instead of vertically. So maybe we'll see something vertical again with Josiah on Saturday. Yeah, we ran into his brother after the game uh, against uh, against Tulane, and uh, so uh, his brother dropped the FedEx apparently. So uh, hopefully uh, Hatfield will have a big game against Temple. And maybe he can, uh, maybe Josiah can help to deliver the win for the Pirates in uh, Philly. That will be fantastic, and that that's the shot in the arm that this uh, program needs with football. Speaking of programs, uh, I, I didn't want to forget to mention the We Believe campaign, folks. Um, by the way, Kyle forgot to even mention. I'm sorry, I forgot to text or call you about it. Over three hundred thousand now. I understand from the folks at the Pirate Club told me so. Over three hundred thousand that's been given so far. Given until the end of the year. Uh, what they're trying to do is obviously help you out tax purposes wise. Um, but the one great thing about this campaign, they will continue it. Um, if you're going to give them money in January, they're not going to turn the money down. Uh, but they're trying really hard to help you out and obviously uh, create a sense of urgency. We've got to. Now let's get to uh, a million dollars for the end of the year. Yeah. 
yeah, let's get some uh, serious cash. And every little bit helps. And uh, we talked about that before, $10, 25 uh, We can't rely, Bubba, I know that you had mentioned to me, we can't rely on the same people giving money. We've got to have other people give up. And we're not talking about being financially Well, let me ask you a question, Dave. What's 25000 What's 25 times 50000 I'm not the numbers guy. <laughs> Bubba, what's 25 times 50000 25 uh, times 50,000. Uh, that's over a million, right? Yeah. I mean, 25 times times 50,000 would be uh, 1.25 million. There you go. So we, we, we've had 50,000 people in Dowdy Ficklin a whole bunch of times. So uh, let's, uh, if everybody who's, 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 who's helped sell out Dowdy Ficklin Stadium over the years, there, there's been 50,000 people that aren't fans of other schools step through Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. If we can just get fifty, if we can get fifty thousand people to give twenty five dollars, you, you think about that? Yep. I mean, you think about it, that's less than Netflix, net less than Hulu, any of the, or if you have an Amazon subscription for Amazon Prime, it's less than all that. So all the people that say they don't have the money, uh, you can find the way to make that that kind of money. I'm not talking about the, you know, the twenty five grand or the, those big amounts, but as far as 25 bucks, 50 bucks, that's how, that's how the, that's how we're going to win is by having those small donations. It's kind of like a, we're not going to get into politics guys, but the political campaigns are doing a nice job of that. Hey, can you chip in $5? Can you chip in $10? Uh, that sort of thing. So uh, that's what we need with this. We believe campaign. We believe we have the best fans, uh, but it's time to step it up. We've got a lot of work to do, roll up our sleeves to get out of the deficit that we have with the big hole that we have, it's time to move on. And um, I want a new set of problems. And the way we do that is uh, to give money to the We Believe campaign. And I know Bubba, they can they can call the the Pirate Club, right? Or they they can go online <laughs> to ecpirates.com. You can go there and, and ecpirates.com. The, the We Believe link is right there. It's easy to donate. They have giving levels already predetermined. You can click one, and if you don't like any of those, you can type in your own. It, it's real easy to do. I did it, and I'm going to do it again for the end of the year. Uh, so there's no reason not to. There you go. If you're old-fashioned and you don't know how to turn on the computer, you're probably not watching our show. But uh, you can <laughs> you can or listen to it, for that matter. Call 252-737-4550 and uh, call them today, and you can. All right. Typo. 4540, isn't it? 4540. I knew when I was going to say that. 4540. So 737 4540 and of course area code 252 go ahead and give to the we believe campaign guys we've got to get that um those numbers and we can you know i've, I've invited the pirate club folks on anytime they want to come on uh, we're all about that to try to help them out and uh, uh, yeah, yeah absolutely thank me nice anybody you know being all the things we try to do to promote east carolina athletics if we could get more people on from the university here lately just you know speaking out in general all right. Well, uh, guys, do you have anything before we go? I know Bubba, by the way, uh, we've had a lot of great content. Um, thank you, Bubba, for your hard work. Thank you, Kyle, as well. We've uh, uh, There you go. Talking to ECU, Cy Seymour, longtime color analyst. He was on. Uh, we, he and I were, were on together Tuesday night. And I uh, appreciate Bubba producing behind the scenes. I know, Kyle, you were actually resting. Uh, fell asleep, and I know you yeah, felt really, 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 really bad. Yeah. Yeah, you all, we have the uh, D1. Hoops preview part one and preview part two. And we're going to work on uh, certainly D1 hoops preview part three um, by the weekend, somewhere out there, the first of next week. Obviously, the basketball season starts 
uh, a week from last night. So uh, a week from so six days away, college basketball season, two weeks later than normal starting because of COVID-19 and trimming off four games. It's normally 31. Now it's 27. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how basketball season plays out as numbers keep going up. Hopefully, at worst, we'll just have to be sitting at home and watching a lot of college well, basketball. That's what yeah, I was going to say, guys. There's no way we'll have fans. Yeah, uh, I'm not having a good feeling about basketball season. Hope I'm wrong. And like you're saying, Kyle, hopefully that will be the reality that we're able to you know, sit at home and enjoy watching some pirate basketball. But uh, I don't know why. I just don't have a good, good feeling about it, the way things are going right now um, with more and more football games being canceled. Uh, I, I just don't have a good feel about basketball. And then, you know, guys, with uh, baseball being in February, that's the biggest sport I'm worried about the most. With uh, Cliff Godwin and company, I really want to see the baseball yeah. season. I'm worried about it. I think we'll have baseball, Dave. I wouldn't be surprised, if, it, particularly with vaccines coming out and they're saying they're going to be readily available by the spring, I wouldn't be surprised to see it push back to a March or April start. But I think we'll play baseball. Yeah, I'm hope I'm hopeful. I mean, I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm just praying that um, that we don't have happen what happened last. Uh, it or well, I going to say last year, but earlier in the year, it seems like it's been two or three years ago uh, that we've been dealing with this COVID for so long. But anyway, uh, good luck to the Pirates on Saturday again, high noon. And guys, I wish uh, wish we could watch the game all together. It's going to be a great game. We'll have, of course, the Pirate playback, and we'll get the uh, Mike Houston press conference uh, for you after the game. And obviously, you can uh, chime in anytime you want after the game. And hopefully, we can get a whole bunch of Pirate fans to come on the show, and we can be talking about a big win, the first time ever uh, with uh, Philly, uh, certainly in the recent times, too. It's been six times in a row for Temple. Uh, We're due to beat them, so hopefully we can. We don't want to make it seven in a row against the Pirates. All right, so appreciate Ryan Wallen and Bubba Rosenbaum and Kyle from LaGrange Barber. I'm Dave Richmond. You've been watching the Pirate Preview and listening to the Pirate Preview right here on the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody, and as always, go Pirates!